Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Raiders in Las Vegas seem to fit well together. Even though they haven't been good for a long time, the Raiders have a place in football lore. And, you know, you got that new stadium last night, and you still go back to the Raiders, and there's still there's something about the colors, something about that name, the history. You go back to the 70s. I mean, this isn't the uh, bad boy Raiders that we had back then. Derek Carr isn't exactly Kenny the Snake Stabler, but here they are. Could you imagine the Raiders of the 70s in Las Vegas? Oh, boy. The Raiders opened their new stadium with an impressive win over the Saints last night, and they got some young stars there. Josh Jacobs, the tight end. Darren Waller's a great story. And the defense responded because I looked at what the numbers were. 17-7 second quarter, the Saints were leading, and then the Raiders dominated. At that point, they outscored New Orleans 27-7. They had the ball twice as long as the Saints did, and they had eight more first downs. And the Saints, usually it's the Raiders who were known historically as the team with penalty issues. The Saints had 10 penalties last night and uh, 89 penalty yards against their defense. But give credit to the Raiders. They won a game on the road against Carolina, came back home beating a good Saints team. But the question is not about, or the discussion is not about the Raiders today. It somehow is about Drew Brees. That apparently Drew Brees got old last night, got older last night. If they had won that game, would anybody be talking about Drew Brees and his arm strength or lack thereof? Now, you know where I stand on it. Love Brees, but uh, I saw maybe not as sharp a quarterback as we've seen in uh, previous years. Now, he got injured last year, did come back, and had a respectable second half of the season. But as they go, I think the Saints are going to go. And last night, they were up 17-7. He threw a bad interception at the end of the first half. 
And Drew Brees and the Saints, that was a game I thought, the way they started out, that they were going to roll over the Raiders. Here's Drew Brees on uh, the team just not being in sync. Are we totally in sync right now? No, we're not. We're not even close to what we are capable of. Not even close. We did some good things tonight early on, but it just uh, just wasn't enough for the the few opportunities we had. We need to take better advantage of that. Now, I don't know if he gets younger next week because if Breeze throws for three touchdowns, no interceptions, then apparently he'll, he'll get younger, right? Because right now it feels like, oh, you get to a certain age and then you're too old. But if you play well, then it's like, oh, fountain of youth. Oh, don't count him out. Drew Brees is still a very good quarterback. Do I think he's a top five quarterback? No, but who cares about, you know, rankings? You know, they, he's going to have to be a game manager here because you didn't have Michael Thomas last night. Let's not forget about that. Best receiver in the game. You still had Alvin Kamara. I mean, if you look at Breeze's numbers, they're not pedestrian. He did okay last night. It was just he had a bad interception. Uh, Alvin Kamara is still a dangerous player, but... That Saints defense, you know, they got manhandled there. That was the big surprise. John Gruden loves Derek Carr, and he wants to let you know that he loves Derek Carr, and he keeps reminding us that he loves Derek Carr. So here's John Gruden telling you how much he loves Derek Carr. He had nine different flankers last year, nine. You know, when I was here, I was here for four years, and we had Tim Brown every week for four years, one. You know, we've had I don't know how many different combinations on the offensive line. Yet, you know, he threw for over 4,000 yards at 70%. Put us in a position to make the playoffs in week 15. This guy's a great quarterback. And um, we're surrounded him with better players. Okay. I know that he keeps telling us about this guy. But then this is also the same organization that went out and signed Marcus Mariota. They flirted with Tom Brady, bringing him in. And they did host Kyler Murray prior to the draft because, from what I'm told, they were going to go up and get him. In fact, I was sworn to secrecy that I wouldn't say that John Gruden was infatuated with Kyler Murray. This was at the time, you know, getting close to the draft. And I had somebody with the Raiders who said, look, John loves Kyler, but you can't, you're not allowed to broadcast that. Because I had hinted about it and uh, I had heard from somebody and they said, look, he really loves him. And I said, are you going to go up and get him? And he goes, I wouldn't rule it out. So, I know that John loves Kyler Murray. They talked about Tom Brady. They brought in Marcus Mariota. Derek Carr has been a very good quarterback. And then he regressed a little bit. I think there were whispers after he broke his leg that, you know, was he going to be the same kind of quarterback? But he's there, and he, he put up good numbers last night. Here's Derek Carr after the win. This organization means everything to me. They've stuck behind me through some hard times, you know, uh, through, through some, some times our team, we struggled. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but when you can get on the other side of things, be 2-0 and as the Las Vegas Raiders, that's a pretty cool thing, you know? It is. And he does have the talent, but I don't know if that organization is was all in with Derek Carr. Because I thought you go to a new stadium, and from what I was told, they were all in on trying to get Kyler Murray to have him as their quarterback when they were going into that new stadium that they wanted to create a buzz. Now, how they were going to pull that off, I have no idea. But that's uh, you know good for Derek Carr to kind of survive. Looking at Drew Brees, then weeks 11 through 17 last year, 22 touchdowns, one interception. He completed 75% of his passes, and he won six of eight games. Now, was he old? 
Because in weeks one and two, he threw two touchdowns and two interceptions. Then he got hurt, hurt his thumb. So I don't know, was he old last year? If he throws three touchdowns next week, is he still old? Is there still question marks there? Is he going to be a deep ball thrower? No, he's not. But that doesn't mean he still can't be a great quarterback. What's wrong, McLovin? He's such a check down Charlie now, though, going against the other check down Charlie last night. It just feels like this short passing. I mean, eventually, aren't defenses going to jump, just jump those routes? Yeah, that's what I've always thought. That's when you go back to their game against the, the Rams and, you know, breeze through that interception, and the Rams ended up winning that game. And, uh, you know, I, I've had questions about his arm strength for quite some time, but I don't I, – Philip Rivers has never had a strong arm. It had nothing to do with him getting older. It was just he never had a, a really strong arm. I, I think that that is going to come back to haunt the Saints at some point, their inability to throw deep. But if you have Kamara and you have Michael Thomas and if the defense plays well, you know, that's obviously that team is on the short list of those who are going to, you know, maybe go to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, McLevin. Same question for Derek Carr. So they get Henry Ruggs and they don't, they throw to him. They actually got a PI at the very end of the game on him, but they don't throw deep at all. No, and I was surprised because I thought that's why you go out and get Ruggs because you want to stretch the field in Raider fashion, you know, throwing the ball deep. But I, I think they got to get a little more comfortable. You got a, a quality running back. You got a quality tight end. I got to work rugs in there. And, and you're just starting here. Like the overreaction is that maybe the Raiders are better than we thought and that Drew Brees has suddenly got too old to be the quarterback for the Saints. This program brought to you by LegalZoom. Need to make it legal? Make it LegalZoom.com. You can take care of things you need to get done without having to leave your home. It's LegalZoom.com. All right, McLovin, what do you have for me today? So you can word this a couple ways. Who would you buy stock in for the season, or who is most likely to reach the Super Bowl? I'll give you the four older quarterbacks. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger. I would probably buy stock in Drew Brees right now. I think they're a better team than Tampa. The Colts, man, I'm not sold on that marriage with Phillip Rivers and the Colts. I just think it's tough to go from a team that you've spent your entire career with, and then you go in an offseason where you don't get to work out with them. You've had injuries there on the defensive side of the ball. Ben, I'm fascinated with. I've said that. I've found the Steelers to be the most fascinating team for me going into this season because if Ben is healthy, that Steeler defense is good enough for them to at least make Baltimore and Kansas City nervous in a postseason game. So I, I would say Drew Brees right now. But, but see, I know what I'm getting with Drew Brees. I think people looking at Drew Brees last night may look at him and go, wow, they don't throw the ball downfield very often, or there, there's no more 5,000-yard passing seasons for Drew Brees, which they weren't a pass-first team. I mean, they became a running team with Ingram and Kamara. Like, this just didn't happen like this. And then you got Drew Brees, who's got a TV job with NBC. You know, you wonder if they get close again, does he want to play again? Would they, they want him to play? I mean, they're so anxious to get Taysom Hill in there. And I, I had a conversation with a uh, scout last night. And uh, I, I said, are you infatuated with Taysom Hill? And he goes, let me put it to you this way. I know he does a lot of different things, but he has to do a lot of different things because he doesn't do one thing really well. And I, he goes, 
Could you imagine if we said, um, hey, Cam Newton, Cam, we want you to go out there and want you to be a wide receiver. We want you to be um, a kick returner, and we want you to be a part-time quarterback as well. Do you think Cam Newton could do something like that? Chances are he probably could. If you said to Kyler Murray, hey, we want to use you as, you know, uh, in the backfield. We want to line you up at wide receiver. We want you to be a quarterback as well and be a kick returner. But the Saints are paying Taysom Hill $16 million a year. Really? I think they are. <laughs> How'd that get by me? I think it's six, something crazy, right? That was his bonus. I think he, they have him for like two years, 21 or something. Man. Yeah. yeah, people don't like that contract much. <laughs> well, I, I just, I don't get it. I, I really don't. I, I see Jameis Winston as their starting quarterback, and, you know, eventually after, next se- after this season. I mean, maybe they're going to put in Taysom Hill and say, go in there and be Lamar Jackson, but he's not Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Paul. You're right. In the next two years, he's going to get $16 million. <laughs> Jeez. You know, it's a weird dynamic, though, because I remember watching Taysom Hill play in college, and it's been a long time since I watched him play. But um, my computer's gone. My computer's just we're, we're running commercials. <laughs> Brought to you by I, Qualcomm. I heard something like, man. I'm like, what? It started to pop up at. But it, it's weird when you're watching the Saints because you don't want Drew Brees to get hurt and you don't want Drew Brees to get benched, but you sure would love to see Taysom Hill run an offense for a couple weeks. Oh, yeah, I'd be fascinated to see but if I don't, this is going to work. I don't root for it to happen. And also, quarterbacks do get old quickly. Peyton Manning in 2014 threw 39 touchdowns. The next season he threw nine. They did win the Super Bowl and he retired. But he had an injured shoulder there. So, you know, is Drew Brees going to be, is this the Drew Brees we're going to see? And is it good enough for the Saints to go to a Super Bowl? And I still think it is. I'm just, I'm not surprised when I see what I see with him. And I think people were, because... We'll see highlights sometimes. But if you watch an entire game with a quarterback, then you get a truer sense. Like Carson Wentz. I went back and I watched the first half of that game. And I, I, you, you're watching a guy who's in his fifth year and you go, like, how did he regress like this? And I'm going to talk to Chris Sims about this. I'm breaking down tape with Merrill Hodge and uh, Ron Jaworski there. <laughs> well, I wanted to be at least fair to Carson Wentz because... The, you know, this is going south quickly here. His footwork is horrible. It, it's horrible. And you go, how did this happen? Yes, McLovin. I think he's afraid of that knee. Yes. You, you've had knee surgery. Yes. You could tell when a guy is spooked. Anytime you have, you've had surgery, and if you have your plant knee, and you're always thinking about that, you know, you'll tend to throw off your back foot a little bit more. His footwork's horrible. It really is. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if the answer is Jalen Hurts, who's a second round pick who didn't have an offseason workout program, and you're going to put him in there. I don't think that's the answer. I think you got to, you got to ride this Carson Wentz storm and just see where you are at the end of the year. You got a lot of money wrapped up in Carson Wentz. But he is regressing. But your offensive line isn't very good. Zach Ertz hasn't done much there. But Carson Wentz, there's some real issues there with just how he sets up in the pocket. Um, and he made some bad decisions, too, where you go, there, that guy's open right there. Just throw it there. And he would throw it where there's two guys. And it, it just didn't make sense. So 
They got they got to figure out something quickly, though, in that division. I mean, you're fortunate that it's not a good division. And, you know, you can still win that division. They won the division last year, and they weren't very good. But if the Cowboys are going 8-8, eight and eight, you can still win that division going 9-7. and seven. All right, McLevin, you got a poll yeah, question? Yeah, I got another one. Okay. Uh, and my geography is not perfect here, but which West Coast team is most likely to jump into the playoffs after missing it last year? The Rams, Chargers, Raiders, or the uh, Arizona Cardinals? Mm. Well, so Nevada, California, Arizona. Okay. All, so, all four are in position now. Um, so teams from the West. Yes. I believe they're all 2-0, oh, yep. Hmm. They're all a little spicy. Yeah. I'm a little bit more enthused about the Rams, let's put it that way. And I wasn't because I thought they were going to be an 8-8 eight eight team this year. But that defense has been pretty good. And I just didn't know if they had – I like Woods. I think he's really underrated. Cooper Cup is in there as well. You don't have, you know, Todd Gurley, and maybe that's a good thing. But, you know, I think as Carson – or as uh, Jared Goff goes, they go. I, I, I don't know about the Raiders. Chargers – did you see Anthony Lynn goes, hey, we lost the game. Like, hey, are you going to have Justin Herbert as your quarterback next week? He goes, uh, we lost the game. <laughs> so if you won the game, then Justin Herbert's your quarterback? I don't know if that was the follow-up question, but that would have been my follow-up question. Yes, McLovin. Twitter's head is exploding over that decision to go back to yeah. Tyra Taylor. By the way, the Chargers are one and one as you put it. And people go, oh, you know, you can't lose your job to an injury. Tell that to Drew Bledsoe. There's, a, there's quite a few quarterbacks who have lost their job. Trent Green lost his job to Kurt Warner. You can go down the list. Just about every team has this situation where a quarterback lost his job to somebody else. All right, we'll take a break. Chris Sims will join us. I'm going to ask him a couple of things, uh, certainly about Carson Wentz with what we've seen. Um, the fact that members of the Dallas Cowboys didn't know the onside kick rule. So I don't think Atlanta did. It turns out that the person recovering the onside kick didn't know the rule either. Yeah, Paulie. Well, do you guys watch like when games go to overtime now, the ref gives a five-minute uh, diatribe on what the overtime rules are. He looks at both teams and goes, just so you know, we're playing 10 minutes. At the end of those 10 minutes, if someone scores on the opening drive a touchdown, the game is over. If they don't score, the next one gets I – mean, he walks you through it. So there's no confusion. I think they do it for the people at home as well. I think they do that for Donovan McNabb. Didn't McNabb <laughs> not realize that you could end in a tie like years ago when he was playing? Um, C.J. Goodwin, he recovered the ball for the Cowboys, and he said with these new rules, they can't touch the ball either. They have to wait. The Falcons. <laughs> Somebody had to tell C.J. Goodwin, no, no, that's not the case. They can touch the ball if they want to. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. 
And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too? It's funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find. That's not just a household item. Wow, you know I mean? even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you can also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini-games, like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win, or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it, whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. It's a beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters the most. It's a light beer that tastes like beer. That's why I reach for a Miller Lite. And it's less filling. Only 96 calories. They've been doing this since 1975. They have perfected it. You know, that summer afternoon, we're coming into that time of the year, be like, oh, man. Crack one? Yes, or two. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. You know. Miller Lite, the great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories. For 12 ounces, fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? Or I don't know, take over a minute to down a two-liter? Well, if you have, then you're going to love Pick 6. It's the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how you play it during the playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they will have more or less of a stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Also, you track your picks, play against others for a shot to win at some big cash prizes. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now. Use the promo code DPSHOW for a chance to win huge cash prizes. That's code DPSHOW. Only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. He's Chris Sims, who joins us on the program on loan from Pro Football Talk Live. Um, where do you want to start today, Chris? 
Well, uh, I mean, that's why they pay you the big bucks. Okay. But I guess, I guess, but I guess the, the big thing to talk about would be last night's game, right? I mean, what are you taking away from that game? Do you start to go, "Ooh, are the Raiders a team to watch out for here?" Or are we still not sure about the Saints through two weeks and things don't look smooth and they're not playing their best football? I, I tend to be on that a little bit more right now, where I'm a little more concerned with the way the Saints look to start. And it feels like the national conversation has to do with Drew Brees. Like people were alarmed that Drew Brees all of a sudden looks average. Now, yeah, 41. <laughs> yeah, I, and I don't know if it's, okay, you're that age. Like three years ago, was his arm any stronger? Like I, I don't know. It just feels like everybody got a chance to see him. He might get younger next week if he throws three touchdowns, though, Chris. So you know how this works. It's week to week here, but is – Drew Brees a concern for you? He, he definitely is. There's no doubt about it that he is a concern for me with the Saints. Well, I mean, first off, you, you see the game last night. You know, the first two series, it's, it's great execution. Things are going good. Sean Payton's got his early plays he wants to go to in the game plan. But then after that, Raiders make adjustments, whatever, the game settles in. And you see that it, offense is hard for the Saints. It, it's 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 always got to be a 12-play, 80-yard drive. There's never a big play in the pass game to take pressure off the offense. And, yeah, I think between the last two weeks, with everybody wanting to tune in to see Breeze and Brady, and now it's Monday Night Football and the new Las Vegas Raiders stadium and everything like that, I think people are you know, seeing something that I know you and I talked about a little last year where it was concerning, and here it is kind of rearing its ugly head once again, and no Michael Thomas, I understand that. He's a big part of the offense, and he really is great for Drew Brees because he works the middle of the field and all those short to intermediate routes. So not having them hurt their offense, but nonetheless, we're seeing too many errant throws, balls that die out and don't get to the target and things like that that I think are a little more concerning than in the past. Are the Raiders all in on Derek Carr? Because John Gruden keeps reminding us how much he loves Derek Carr, but boy, you you love him so much, you entertained Tom Brady, you thought about trading up to get Kyler Murray, you brought in right. Marcus Mariota. I don't know if that's how you show love to your quarterback. No, no, I'm not sure they're all in on him yet either. I don't I don't think they are. I think this is a prove-it year for Derek Carr, where he's going to have to continue to play the way he's played these first two weeks, and probably then some. You know, even the early on in the game, you saw Brian Greasy on Monday Night Football kind of talking about, ooh, I'd, I wish Derek Carr would have pushed the ball down the field. There's still moments where he lacks aggressiveness. If he can bring that to his game, you can see he's very smart. He's unbelievably accurate. I mean, balls on the money all night long, letting receivers run after the catch. But, no, I don't think they're sold on it. You explained it. They've been flirting with people and sending out mixed messages for the last few years, and I think he's going to have to have a real good year to continue to be that guy there in, in, in Las Vegas. What do you do if you're the Chargers after that performance by Justin Herbert where your head coach says, hey, we lost the game. I, you didn't lose it because of Justin Herbert. No, you did not. And, I, you know, I, I am one that tends to go, let's go with Justin Herbert. I mean, you want to play run the football, ball control, play through your defense style of football? Well, he proved to us he can do that. Now, I know he threw the interception, you know, 17 to 9 and made the rookie mistake. But the other thing I would argue, too, is he made plays that Tyrod Taylor is just not going to make. I'm sorry. There's no other way to say that. I mean, Herbert has 
I think, as you saw a little bit, some eye-popping talent, some throws and runs where you go, whoa, that's a little different right there. And to me, with the way they want to play it, he seems like a very smart kid. He certainly didn't blink in the pressure of the big lights or anything like that. And you got the Carolina Panthers this week. Yeah. I, I think the time would be right now for to, to throw Herbert in there and start the future. Do you think the Patriots' style with Cam Newton is sustainable? I do. I think that, you know, Cam is going to have to continue to be careful. And he is usually running the football, except when he gets into those third and one, fourth and one type runs where we saw. And those have really been the only big collisions he's had running the football to this point. But I think two things. They're, they're going to take those quarterback runs when the defensive schemes present itself like it did in Miami two weeks ago. When, okay, it was there to be had. Hey, Cam, you keep the ball. But the, the big thing is I think he's going to give them great confidence to continue to be able to go, hey, even if you can't run the ball, we saw, man, his ability to stay in the pocket, make the right throw, make some game-changing type throws, it is very real. And that'll give them some leeway, too, to maybe go, ooh, when in doubt, all right, this guy knows our offense. He knows where to go with the ball, and he throws it, you know, the correct ball, too. Um, I'm very excited by what I've seen out of that offense and Cam Newton and New England at this point. I think it's just at the beginning phases of where it can grow. But would you sign him up? I know they got him for a bargain, but is there a point where the Patriots go, maybe we've seen enough that we need, and, and what's Cam going to cost you? I, that, that's going to be the big question. And, and I think this is both of them kind of evaluating each other as we go along. But you're right. I mean, hey, if Cam continues to play the way he's playing right now, he's going to go, um, I want 30 plus million dollars next year to play quarterback. And I don't know where the New England Patriots go. If, if he continues to play the way he's playing right now, they're going to go, okay, well, you deserve it because you were the man this year. You know, again, we talked about no weapons on the Patriots offense all last year. And all of a sudden we have weapons all of a sudden, nothing's really changed except the guy at quarterback. And I'm not trying to take a knock at Brady or anything like that. I'm just saying this guy still has specialness to his game and his leadership and how the pressure he puts on a defense because of his, his vast skill set. And uh, I expect it to be a good year for him from what I've seen here. And I think he will be the quarterback here for the next few years in new England. Yeah, because he's he's going to be a big ticket item if he's playing this right. well. And he's only, what, 31, so he still could get maybe that three- or four-year deal. We're talking to Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk co-host, NBC Football Night in America analyst as well. I'm surprised that both sides of the onside kick in Dallas didn't understand the rule for the onside kick, Chris. I, I, I'm amazed. I mean, I, Atlanta, I don't know what they were doing. It, it's a shocking that they sat there. And once you saw the ball get to the seven or eight yard mark to just continue to sit there and watch it. And when you see the balls rolling in that direction, yeah, obviously details were not talked about there and they need to be more thorough. And to your point, what I heard you open up the segment with, and this is what I argue a lot with even like when you do the NFL top 100. You got guys in the NFL who they just play football. And I'm not trying, but they're not going home and watching Sunday night football or Monday night football or keeping up what's going on in the league. They go to practice. They do what the coach says. They like playing the game, but they're not all in. And as you can see, some guys don't understand what the hell's going on out there at times. Yeah, but you're on the kickoff team. Uh, it's amazing. 
I have no answer for you. All I can say is that that game <laughs> was a debacle with some of the coaching decisions. I mean, to go for two up 26 to seven in the second quarter, I didn't know coaches could tell the future now and they know how it's going to unfold. Oh, look, that point kind of came in handy losing by one. You know, the onside kick, Mike McCarthy going for two down nine. What? I mean, I, I don't know it. That's uh, this analytics and stuff like this is driving me crazy right now. You know, the, this kind of mask, though, what was going on in Dallas. I mean, they, they got to win a miracle win here. And now you go to Seattle this weekend. And that Seattle team seems to know what they're doing. And now they're feed, you know, letting Russ cook a little bit here. Yeah. Um, what do you expect to happen? Dallas, Seattle. I think Dallas, I, I think we could see a shootout in this game, really. I do. Because I'm a little, like, Dallas's defense has not exactly, uh, you know, blown me away through the first two weeks either. I mean, we saw last week in the Rams, they kind of moved the ball up and down the field on them. And Seattle's, uh, this is the best Russ's look. It's the best weapons he's ever had around him. And Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator, got to give him a lot of credit for changing his, you know, persona, run first, to realize, wait, the strength of our team is through the pass game. He's really grown the offense. I questioned whether how much he can be creative in the pass game and things like that. Been really impressed with what I saw through two weeks. And their defense, you know, it, it, it tells me in Seattle's going to play this way the whole year, Dan, because the defense is playing aggressive too. It's not bend, don't break. It's a little bit like, hey, we're going to blitz Jamal Adams and we're going to make a strip sack fumble or get the ball back. Or we might give a big play up and you score, but oh well, Russ will be back on the field and we're comfortable with getting in a shootout. And I think they're going to be very comfortable with what we've seen the first two weeks all year long. I went back and watched Carson Wentz in the first half. And hey. I, I never played the position, but I know footwork. And his footwork looks terrible for a guy who we thought was established and a franchise quarterback. But like, what happened to Carson Wentz here? It, uh, it, and I haven't watched the film in that game. It's something that's on my docket here uh, this morning that I'm going to go back and watch. But it, it is concerning. You know, he first off needs a little bit of the governor of like, man, that's too tight of a window. Or go down. There, There's nine guys on you. Just take the sack. Don't try to flip a ball to somebody and do things like that. I do think he's a little aggressive, tries to make too much happen at times offensively they're struggling to find their way we know they got the offensive line injuries and yeah at times he just doesn't have the proper mechanics throwing the football or he'll just lock his legs in the ground and try to throw the ball in an awkward position but it's not been good he yeah, cost them the first game with some of the play calling and and last week was not a good look either and and Sean McVay had a lot to do with that too with what he's doing on the offensive side too I don't know what your reaction was to Trent Dilfer Trent Dilfer said that the Packers drafted Jordan Love to basically, you know, get Aaron Rodgers upset. Like, do you wow. think that they would actually, like, are they reverting to something that sounds as desperate as that to get Aaron Rodgers motivated? Damn. I mean, I, I, I that, that would be some Zen master stuff <laughs> right there to trade up in the first round just to do that i mean they could have just called me the packers and i would have trashed aaron Rodgers, and maybe we all would have joined in and we could have pissed him off and got him to go again you know what i mean uh so uh, it certainly has ignited him and you know there's two things that jumped out to me about their offense through the first two weeks 
They're much more aggressive with downfield pass plays and calling those plays. And Rodgers, who I think was scarred from years of a very average offense around him schematically to where he didn't want to force the ball into a tight window with the first read. He might hold it and dance around and they make Rodgers magic happen. Last year, I saw a few of those times where he did that and I went, oh no, the first guy's open. You got to throw it to him. And remember he got that little spat with Matt LaFleur like in week two or week three. And that's what it was about. This year, man, Dan, he's playing the position true to form. The first guy, if he's open by three inches, he throws that ball in there and throws a strike. And I think it's helped their offense and the rhythm of their offense a lot. Well, they also have a great running back too. So that Yes, they do. That that's out, certainly no help. doubt. We brought this question up yesterday. We do this all the time. Paulie somehow loves to shoehorn Julian Edelman into a conversation that has to do with the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Whose career I can I can give you Julio Jones's career or Julian Edelman? Oh, yeah, I, I'm still gonna take Julio Jones. I'm gonna take Julio Jones, even though you don't have the ring and that does stink in those playoff moments. But Julio Jones will go down as one of the greatest receivers ever. Julian Edelman to me is just a really good receiver that was a big piece for a great football yes, team. Yes, Paulie, yes. Chris, I can't believe this. Your, your dad is the perfect example. Phil Simms has a career. He might not be first ballot Hall of Fame, but Phil Simms has a ring and as part of two rings. And I would want that as much as maybe even a Dan Marino career. Rings in Well, I, I, I get it. I would mean, you rather are... have your dad's career or Dan Marino's career? Oh, man, I, I'd probably still go with Dan Marino's career. I think I would. You know, those rings are cool. But damn, all the money Dan made in the Hall of Fame and the Isotoner. I think my dad would trade one of those rings to Dan Marino for some of his money. Would so. your dad take Dan Marino's career over his? <laughs> he, he might. He might. I know he made this comment one time where he went, uh, we were talking about this and people were, he's like, Oh, well, I think it's all a little overrated. Dan Marino's the, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And he sat back for a second and we all sat there and watched him. And he went, and I mean, damn, I don't know. I'm crap. He can have my race. Maybe I'll take his money. <laughs> so uh, it's not that crazy. Uh, good to talk to you, Chris. Hope you're well. Thanks, Thanks for guys. joining us as always. All right, be good, buddy. I'll talk to you guys. See ya. That's Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk co-host and NBC Football Night in America analyst. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go... You can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You could trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat, there was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the, I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship? It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, a ton 
include their own unique mini games like digging for treasure or a robot pachenko machine and there's always new timed events that will help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies there's always something fun to discover in monopoly go so get off the bench and go download it for free right now on google play or the app store game on this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Searching for a job can be a lonely process. Endless searching, phone calls that go nowhere, nobody's on the other end, applications that vanish. It's time to find a better way to find a job. Express Employment Professionals, the local jobs expert that you can trust. They never charge a fee when they help you with your job search. Go to ExpressPros.com, find the office nearest you. Each year, tens of thousands of job seekers find work with the help of Express Employment Professionals. And Express helps you find all kinds of jobs, manufacturing to logistics, customer service, accounting, and so many more. Getting an interview with Express can be as easy as a phone call. And with just one application, Express Employment Professionals will have you in the running for numerous opportunities in your community. Make your job search easier. Let the professionals help at Express Pros. Express Employment Professionals. It's your one connection for getting a job. Visit ExpressPros.com today and good luck. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. Like, a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app. Like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on, or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. All in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Is Tim Callishaw there with us, Tom? Sure is. Oh, yes, Paulie. He's ready. Oh, yes. There he is, the popular <laughs> Tim Callishaw. How are you, Tim? Hey, Dad. How are you? Is that how this works? <laughs> Your hair looks good. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's early in the morning to, to look this good, but it's, it's very soft, as you know. Do you wake up and it looks like that? Pretty much. Pretty much. It, it's, it's, there's not a lot of variety. There's not a lot of fluctuation. <laughs> You're like Jimmy Johnson? I don't know about his. His, I think that helmet that he puts out there, that takes some work. That takes a lot of ozone layers to destroy <laughs> to get that thing in shape. Um, all right. So if you wrote a column at halftime of the, uh, of the Cowboys against the Falcons, <laughs> what, would you have, what would you have said? Well, I'm so glad you asked because so many of our great columns end up not in print because of a shocking change at the end of the game. And I I used one paragraph of this, but I was really going to get into 20 years ago. Dave Campo's debut was against the Eagles. That was the pickle juice game. Remember that game? 109 degrees at Texas Stadium. Eagles open with an onside kick. Just beat the hell out of them. Injured Troy, injured Galloway. Whole season went up in flames. This was different from that, 
but I was wondering if a how Mike McCarthy could make such a poor home debut. Every player on the team is fumbling. They look completely unprepared. They run two horrible fake punts. Nobody goes 0 for 2 in fake punts, and they did. And yet, because of a lot of things, a little bit of their credit, a little bit of Zerline's credit, and a lot of Atlanta Falcons, they end up winning the game 40 to 39. All right. That, I don't know what Cowboy fans feel like today because, right. okay, now you're back down to earth. You got the win. You shouldn't have gotten the win. It was incredible. And now you go to Seattle. Do you have any idea what kind of team Dallas has this year? You know, I, I, I still think they're pretty good. I think the fumbles are a flukish thing. Zeke is not a big fumbler. Dak had fumbling issues two years ago. Not, not so bad of late. And who knows if Dalton Schultz, I mean, <laughs> is he a fumbler? We don't really know. He's, he's never really handled the football there. But, I mean, I think the offense is going to pile up a ton of yards and score some. But the defense really against the Rams wasn't very good. They gave up a lot of yards. This time, because of the fumbles, they gave up points quickly. But, they, I mean, I think Atlanta could have – if Atlanta wanted to just come in and throw the ball, and I don't know why they did they were determined to see how many times they could run Todd Gurley into the middle of the line for three yards. They had the Cowboys secondary outmanned, and they stayed away from it. They still – Ryan threw for four touchdowns, and Julio dropped another one. So I think the Cowboys have real concerns against Russell Wilson and those receivers. Having said that, Seattle's last in the league in defense right now. Their defense is getting shredded, and they just lost Bruce Irvin, and they lost uh, you know a guy in the secondary. So I mean, I think that's a that's kind of a slugfest uh, Sunday afternoon. I, I think people feel like okay, this Cowboys team hasn't shown it's better than last year. Mm. It's still pretty good. We need to see more. When you watch that onside kick, what do you see? Um, you know, initially I, I, I'm watching it and I just don't think it's going to go 10 yards. If you watch it, and we've all watched it 20 times now, but by the time it gets to the numbers, the 40, it's not even gone the full five yards. It's got to go five more yards. And all of a sudden it makes a, it makes a right turn into the Falcons. And you just don't know, like, why aren't they falling on it? And I, I think I was thinking that. I know I think that afterwards, but I think I was thinking the Falcons can follow this ball. They don't have to wait <laughs> for 10 yards. Once it goes to 10 yards, it's a free-for-all. So you, you don't want to just stand there like it's going down the third baseline and you hope it goes foul because if it goes fair, you're screwed. And, and they were screwed. And so, you know, uh, Dan Quinn said afterwards, the players know the rules. I have very little doubt that the players don't know the rules. They, there's, and I don't know if Dallas's players knew the rules either. They don't, because C.J. Goodwin, the guy who recovered it, said, see, with the new rule, they can't touch it for 10 <laughs> yards. Okay, C.J., great recovery, but you don't know the rules either. I was also wondering about this, Tim, with the pitch of the football field. So yeah. it's, it's usually higher in the middle of the field, and then it pitches down, you know, you know when there's rain, that they, they always had those – Football right. fields. Like, I don't know what Dallas's playing surface is like, but I was wondering about that. I didn't know if the ball was going to go 10 yards, but I, I didn't know if it's, it's going downhill a little bit if there's a pitch in that, uh, in that football field. I think most of the fields, now that I think about it, don't have as much of a crown as they used to yeah. when you and I used to patrol the sidelines in the 80s and the 90s, uh, but they still have a little. And so it might have been going a little bit downhill. 
you know, I, I think it's a little bit of a, it's a great kick by Zerline. It's a little bit of a fluke that it, it's rolling and rolling and rolling. And then all of a sudden it goes this way, which you need it to do. It's incredible. But to his credit, he, he's, he's worked on it. He said he and Johnny Hecker used to pl- play around with the Rams and practice it because they knew with the new rules, you got to do something different than, you know, the other onside kicks today aren't working. Does Dak just take it, that DVD of the game and then just slide it under Jerry Jones's door with his performance? After the fumble, yeah, because, I mean, it looked like the first three or four possessions, hell, they're not even going to be able to get the ball. You know, the Cowboys had two tackles missing. The Falcons were coming at him. Dak's getting hit. He's been sacked. He's fumbled. He's throwing a couple balls in the dirt. And uh, to go from that mm. to, uh, you know, 450 yards and and hitting all the right throws, but I mean, I think Jerry has a stack of those DVDs now. So, <laughs> so I don't know what it is that's going to bring. You know, we mostly don't have to write about it and talk too much about it for another few months. But <laughs> you do wonder, you know, if uh, if you know Trevor Lawrence will have his second contract before Dak gets. So. <laughs> um, Monday Night Football. I know that we uh, like to focus on the negative here, and it feels like the national narrative is Drew Brees, question mark. Do you, or did you take that away from last night's game, that the Saints and Drew Brees? I want to point out very quickly that you know the Dallas Stars were playing the uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning at the same time last night. And, oh. and you and I once, once traveled the NHL circuit. Yes, we did. During the Stanley Cup finals and such. My stars, um, my stars. But... Uh, uh, no, I, I did watch a fair amount of the game, and I watched some of the throws people are concerned about. I think I think the obvious thing we have all found out for sure is that Michael Thomas isn't just a guy who who benefits from Drew Brees. That is a two way street, <laughs> and and without that street, um, yeah, I mean he, he I don't know if he's going to play that poorly all the time, but but it, it it was a little bit more alarming than I expected for sure. What is the storyline after two weeks that will still be there in 10 weeks? The surprising storyline that will still be there in 10 weeks is that the Arizona Cardinals are really good and Kyler Murray is making a run at, at some of these other quarterbacks for, for MVP. The, the more solid story is that Baltimore is going to beat Kansas City this week and establish that they have picked up They've taken all the debris from losing that game against Tennessee, made themselves a better team, and that they look unstoppable. Yeah, but, it you know, we look at Baltimore the way we do the Dodgers. Like, we don't care what you do during the regular season. We want to know what you're going to do when you get to the postseason. But, that I mean, the Dodgers have had a lot of failures. The Baltimore's had one that matters for this club. So, Lamar, I mean, well, I mean, you can say Lamar Jackson the year before – but I mean that team wasn't ready, and the Chargers Chargers took advantage of it. Yeah, I, I mean I guess you can, but I I think it's a little too soon to to put them to put them there. Well, I picked them to win the Super Bowl, so I I I, I expect did too. Them. that means we'll be watching somebody yeah, else. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had Kansas City winning last year. Did you? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but okay. Uh, yeah, I think I had Kansas City against the uh, Eagles. I had the Eagles and. 
But it wasn't Kansas City. I don't remember. Yeah, we probably had the Chargers or something. Yeah. You know, the I NFC East, though, this will help the what Cowboys. A division. Oh, Man. It, it's, it's sad. Just stacks. Just stacked. Top to bottom. Just, <laughs> no, just, it's stacked bottom to bottom. <laughs> it is so bad. I mean, two and six this year. Uh, I think they were 24 and 40 last year. Yeah. It, it is just, I mean, the Cowboys, again, if they go nine and seven, they'll. They might walk away with it. Well, uh, I, I have no idea the Eagles, they always get injuries, but I have no idea they'd look like this. Are you on around the horn today? I am on tomorrow, Dan, and it might be, I don't know if I can say this on the air, it might be the last one for me from home because we might be in studios sometime soon. Wow. So this is a breaking story. That uh, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to break that, but I kind of feel like I just did. But... Schefter is going to take credit for that. He will, he will jump on it and he'll get 8,000 likes <laughs> around the horn moving to studio. 8,000 likes for Schefter. I got to get Tony Reale out of his house. Yeah. And you got to get him a haircut. Yes. He's a mess. You know, he looks like a madman and uh, it's, it's just, it hasn't gone well for the realities. Well, uh, good luck tomorrow. We'll be watching as always. Thank you. And we always appreciate the shout out. I then. might wear the same shirt. I might give it a little tug here. Oh, is that what you're going to do? A little, huh. little shout out. Oh, now we're going to watch. <laughs> now we're going to watch. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Danny. That's Tim Callishaw, Dallas Morning News columnist, ESPN Around the Horn panelist, Dallas Stars apologist as well. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Three-time national champ Urban Meyer on loan from Fox Sports, their college football analyst. Coach, how are you this morning? I'm good, Dan. Good to see you. How do you watch football now as an analyst as opposed to a you know coach? Oh, it's about the same. I, you know, I just really enjoy the intricacies of the game. You know, it's hard for me to just watch it. And, and I, I do, I, I pull for, I don't really pull for teams. I pull for my former players in the NFL and, and pull for guys I recruit. And I know, so it's more personal with me, but you know, I, I love to look at, you know, what is going on in the locker and what's going on in that huddle. What are they thinking during this play as opposed to, Hey, nice catch, you know? So I, I love looking at the intricacies of the game. You know, that when you had Joe Burrow, did you understand how good, like this Joe Burrow now, as opposed to what you saw back then, like what's the biggest difference with Joe Burrow? Oh, that's a great story. Joe Burrow was under-recruited, really not recruited. You know, we he had very few offers. Uh, our offense coordinator watched him play and called me. I remember Zoomed with me, or not Zoomed, whatever, that FaceTimed it and <laughs> said, you have to watch him throw here's your next Alex Smith is exactly what was said. And I was like, I had a little, you know, angst about it because he wasn't highly recruited, but then you started watching him. And then the thing you meet him and his family, his father was a longtime coach. His mom's incredible. And this kid was a state champion basketball player, competitor. So he started very slow. His release, his release time was very slow. His arm strength was average, but he was an absolute grinder. And by the time, you know, it came down. He was our backup quarterback and broke his hand, and that's when Dwayne Haskins took advantage of the opportunity. But we saw this coming to say I saw him being the number one pick overall. I'm not sure many people saw that. But when you assess, that, that position still the hardest to assess because if you look at, look at the quarterbacks in the NFL 
and people had doubts about Patrick Mahomes or Kyler Murray was too short. Russell Wilson was too short. How do you look? What do you look for? What's the one thing or two things that you go? That's what I want in my quarterback. And, you know, then I'll, I'll recruit him. We, we've been fortunate. We've had all good quarterbacks and, and we've made very few mistakes at that position. And because I, I actually learned, remember Jeff Tetford, he was the coach at Cal. Cal in Oregon. And at one point, I still think one of the greatest quarterback coaches of all time. And I was a young head coach. And I, I asked that same question. What do you, why do you keep having, it's not by chance that you have these great quarterbacks. It's what do you look for? And that's when I came up with a criteria really through coach Tedford was number one is competitor. Number two is toughness, leadership, intelligence, adaptability. And we would not take a guy that didn't have those qualities. You notice I didn't say arm strength and release point because <laughs> you can teach that. You can't teach those other qualities. Who's the guy you didn't get? Quarterback? Yeah. Deshaun Watson. I worked so he was committed so early. <laughs> and uh, I remember flying there and I thought we had him thinking about it, but Clemson did such a great job recruiting him that I still think he's one of the greatest competitors. Quarterback. It still is. But Deshaun Watson was the one. But you know what amazed me, though, Coach, is he did everything you wanted a quarterback to do in college, but then people still had doubts about him going into the NFL. That's what I don't understand. Well, NFL, it, it amazes me when I hear people say, well, I'm not sure he'll make it because NFL is a quarterback game. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. So is college a quarterback game. So is high school football. And peewee, it's a quarterback sport. And quarterbacks in the NFL, I, I hear people blame them when they're stuck on a really lousy team. You know, I remember Dwayne Haskins last year. I mean, the, it, it is a foul. I'm not throwing stones here, but uh, the Redskins were bad last year. They fired their coach. There were some cultural issues within the organization and the team. And it was Dwayne. I, I remember I was doing interviews. People were saying, well, Dwayne Haskins, you know, is he going to make it? And I'm thinking, wait a minute, put him on a really good team and he'll make it. So I, I, it's still a team sport. And the great quarterbacks, they're competitors, but they also – they're surrounded by really good people. But also what happens is sometimes you benefit by going in the late uh, or, or, you know, mid first round or late first round. You're going to a better team. You might have to wait a little longer. But Patrick Mahomes went to a Kansas City team that was loaded. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, when he went late, you know, you, you got into a good system there. Whereas if, you know, Joe's going, Joe Burrow's going to a bad Bengals team. It might take him a lot longer than it will you know, Dwayne Haskins, uh, you know, well, I, the Redskins aren't much better than than the Bengals there. But you know what I mean? Deshaun Watson going to the Texans. They had an established team there as well. So it feels like less pressure and you go to a better team. Well, think of the, I think Alex Smith is a poster child for that. He was a number one pick overall and went to a really bad team. And the, the narrative on Alex Smith was he was a bust in the first pick overall. And I, I remember saying, I did interviews to him, if Alex Smith can't play in the NFL, I will never coach a quarterback that can play in the NFL because, you know, never mind the fact that the Niners are bad on defense, bad on special teams, and bad on offense, but now it's Alex Smith's fault. So you're right. <laughs> I, and I, I worry about Joe, but I, from what Joe tells me, because I talked to Joe, there's a lot of positive right now with the Bengals in that organization. And, and Joe, Joe is, Joe's in a positive, uh, you know, they got to win some games but he's, he's very positive about the future right now. He's Urban Meyer, Fox Sports College football analyst, a big noon kickoff pregame show. It starts every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Pac-12, I don't know if they've officially announced when they're coming back. I was told it's the week after Halloween. We know the Big Ten's coming back. How long would it take you to get your team ready, do you think? 
Well, I talked to a couple of coaches at USC recently, and they're not even out there having seven on seven. They're not practicing because of the, uh, the state mandates. Uh, the one thing that Ohio State and the Big Ten, those players, everybody, everybody was practicing. You know, they weren't hitting, they weren't in contact, but at least they're out functioning and in seven on seven and drill work. And so their there's come back to return will be much quicker. The Pac-12 right now, I'm not talking about Utah, but the I believe Oregon, I believe California, they can't even have I was told yesterday, this is amazing to me. You can't have more than twelve people out there working out. And I'm thinking, why? You know, what's the problem here? And so once again, I don't want to get into all the because the pandemic obviously is awful, but it's going to take some time unless they release those standards. Like people can go out and start practicing. If you can't do that, yeah, I don't know how they're going to be ready. Yeah, that's what I, you know, what I was told is they're going to try to play a six-game regular season schedule, and then that seventh week it'll be first place versus first place, second place versus second place. Same thing the Big Ten is doing. I, I just don't know if the Pac-12 gets off the ground here, Coach. Well, right now, if they don't, the recruiting disadvantage that the Pac-12 will face for a long period of time, Dan, mm-hmm. will be – catastrophic is such a hard word to use when you're talking about sports, but catastrophic. I mean, the Pac-12 right now has already had recent struggles in years. Think about the day when Pete Carroll, Matt Liner, and my teammates Reggie Bush and Matt Liner were playing. You didn't even think about recruiting L.A. because you're not going to beat – you're not going to beat USC, UCLA. You're not. Now you can go out there and you can compete against those – that that uh, conference because they're down. They have to get going. How would you use that though, if you were recruiting and you were going after a kid in Pac Pac twelve territory? If they didn't play this year, how would you use well, that? I, your I noticed in the last five years, Dan, it's been easier to go get. We never recruited California. You know, Wyatt Davis, uh, he's going to be a first round draft pick, offensive guard. You you want you want first of all you want to travel that far because you have enough good players. But when you see a top five guy at a position. And you can go in there and you can see that they're competing in stadiums that aren't full. That nighttime is the only time you can see them on national television. There's so many obstacles. And, you know, you want to come to a place that sells out every game and you want to be on national TV every week and a chance to be a high draft pick. You know, a lot of times it sells itself. Did you ever feel sorry when you faced Michigan and you were running up the score, roughing them up a little bit? Uh, this is going to create a lot of headline, but no. <laughs> well, no, if you said that you felt sorry for him, that would have created a headline, I think, Coach. Because I, I was there a couple of years ago when, you know, Ohio State, when Haskins was quarterbacking, and it wasn't stopping. I think that probably could have put up 70, 75 if you wanted to. But do you run up the score on Michigan if you can? I think your job is to players. I'm trying to see it. How, how can I answer this politically correct? Our players work that game every year. You get a chance to go into play. I'm not going to tell them to slow down. Okay. That answers your question. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. How do we come up with a final four here in college football? This will be, I think, the committee. We, we mentioned this on Big Noon kickoff that this is unprecedented. You might have. How about the SEC playing 10 conference games? You know, I coached in that conference for six years and even the, the so-called bottom half of that conference is outstanding. They, there's probably eight teams in that league that think they can win a national title. So the, the inequity of scheduling right now is I, I've never witnessed anything like this. You're looking at Clemson will be a two to three touchdown favorite in every game other than Notre Dame. Ohio State will be a two to three touchdown favorite in every game, maybe but one. And then you look at Alabama, L- LSU's got four teams 
in the six-week period in the top 11, I think top 11, top 13, then Clemson won't play one. So the inequity, I hope everybody looks deeply at the conference and, and the scheduling, the strength of schedule, because I've always been a believer that they have to have a little more leeway because I think the SEC will lose two games. The top teams will lose two games. I was told Nebraska got taken to the woodshed because the governor, the athletic director, the coach, they were going to go rogue here. And all of a sudden they say, oh, you want to play football? All right, come to Columbus. you got Ohio State to start, and then we're going to send Wisconsin out there. Do you think the Big Ten sent a message to uh, Nebraska to, you know, let's keep it all in-house here? No, no. If they did, first of all, no way. No way could you do that. You know, I, I remember when Scott Frost first got there in one of our coaches' meetings, he brought up that they've had the hardest schedule in the Big Ten for years and years and years, and no one really knew that, but he broke down. But the because Nebraska is a primetime name, and so is uh, the Wolverines, Ohio State, and Penn State, and people want to see those games. So they seem to play. You never saw Nebraska play Rutgers or Maryland. You saw them play the big dogs all the time in the East, you know, the, like I said, the Buckeyes and the Penn State and the Wolverines. Um so I don't know why they keep getting the most. I can't. I can't believe that someone would really do that. <laughs> yeah, I, but I they, they had to be upset. Kevin Warren had to be upset with what Nebraska was saying, though, Coach. Yeah, but for people that make comments that how can Nebraska say that they've never coached, I, I would argue they never coached. The, the job of a coach, AD, and a president is fight for their players. If they felt that was wrong, I commend them. I commend Scott Frost for and the AD and the president for swinging as hard as they can. I commend the athletes at Ohio State and, and other Penn State and, and the Wolverine. I mean, everybody fought. They thought that was wrong, and they fought. They did it They did it respectfully, but they fought. Good to visit with you, Coach. Hope you're doing well, having fun, and uh, you enjoying football differently now? I am. I really uh, thank God I enjoy that, that Fox crew because we, we have a lot of time. You stay engaged, stay relevant, and – involved in this great game. So thank you, Dan. Thank you, Coach. That's Urban Meyer, Fox Sports College football analyst, three-time national champ, and, of course, was at Florida, Utah, and Ohio State. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat, there was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the, I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship? It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, I I even thought about that. Yeah, most people don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini-games, like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win, or Rent Frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. 
Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Searching for a job can be a lonely process. Endless searching, phone calls that go nowhere, nobody's on the other end, applications that vanish. It's time to find a better way to find a job. Express Employment Professionals, the local jobs expert that you can trust. They never charge a fee when they help you with your job search. Go to ExpressPros.com, find the office nearest to you. Each year, tens of thousands of job seekers find work with the help of Express Employment Professionals. And Express helps you find all kinds of jobs. Manufacturing to logistics, customer service, accounting, and so many more. Getting an interview with Express can be as easy as a phone call. And with just one application, Express Employment Professionals will have you in the running for numerous opportunities in your community. Make your job search easier. Let the professionals help at Express Pros. Express Employment Professionals, it's your one connection for getting a job. Visit ExpressPros.com today and good luck. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. Like, a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app, like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on, or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS, all in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Patriots insider for NBC Sports Boston, Tom E. Curran, joining us on the program. How is morale in New England, Tom? Sky flipping high, Dan. Yeah. I mean, through the flipping roof out here. Because? Because nobody anticipated this kind of start. I mean, I, I was on the cynical side. I said eight and eight, but if you really put uh, the pressure on me, I would have told you seven and nine. <laughs> and instead, what we're watching is, and this is the most interesting thing, is Cam Newton making players better, especially at the wide receiver position, than we thought that they were. He threw 32 times to wideouts the other day. Nikhil Harry, career highs and targets and catches. Edelman, career high in yards, and Damir Bird, a career high in uh, in targets. Okay, but so Tom kept saying he didn't have weapons there. Um, Cam is throwing to the same weapons that Tom had. So what's the difference? Well, I mean, honestly, I think it's 11-on-11 football as opposed to 10-on-11. That threat to run that he brings to the table means the defense has to commit an extra guy. And how scary he was in the opener against Miami with the 75 yards really got into the heads of the defense and Ken Norton Jr. and how they were going to try and deal with Cam. And that opened stuff up, which we saw in the second half for guys down the field. And Newton hit the throws and guys made plays for him. So we'll see how, how, how long it proceeds that way. But he's now done one of each, gone off on the ground and gone off through the air. 
And, you know, that versatility is awesome, and it keeps the defense, you know, uh, off guard there a little bit. And Belichick has to love that. It gives him, you know, a lot more toys or the possibilities to play with. But that was my question about the sustainability of this. I don't know what – is the offense going to change each week? As Belichick has done before, there are times when they were a running team, and then all of a sudden they become a passing team, and then back to a running game. So I, I don't know what is the game plan. I think that's the intention, and that's why they, like Seattle, are a program. They do the stuff that they do over such a long course of time, long period of time, and are able to stay the course and switch. Now, Seattle doesn't switch as much as the Patriots do, but that's the Patriots' DNA. Whatever you're going to bring into our game, we're going to try and exploit or stay away from, depending upon how it works for us. So, you know, with McDaniel's, and that's the interesting thing is they spend the first quarter oftentimes to quarter and a half just probing and trying to figure out had they not been staked to that seven nothing lead the other night i wonder how it would have looked but you know each week will be an interesting test as the league continues to to gain info on them explain this belichick over the top with compliments with cam calculated yeah i think so i think he wants to make sure that cam feels extremely welcome that they want him here, that he wasn't a guy that they just picked as a last resort because they didn't feel like Jared Stidham could get things done, that he's exceeded what they thought he would do. And I think he also probably wants to tamp down expectations. Look, everybody up here, everybody who wasn't in Carolina had an image of Cam as maybe a little bit self-absorbed and narcissistic. And I don't know, selfish is the right word, but I think the main impetus for McDaniels or his teammates or Belichick have been to say, look, he doesn't care about anything except working hard, bringing energy and winning football games. And I think that helps because, you know, we're learning that as opposed to what we got as the Cam Newton brand, which was, you know, a dynamic player who also had bizarre outfits that, you know, oftentimes we would, register impressions on. So I think Bill's trying to push back against what the perception is. What about a long-term contract for Kim? How how much does he have to produce? How many games? Is there, are they going to stay with the million-dollar bargain here? What would you do if you were Kim? I mean, he's he had a $100 million contract he just came off of. But if you're 32 and the whole league just passed on you and the Patriots gave you a million-dollar contract, would you think you were indebted to the Patriots? I wonder about that. What would you, I mean, honestly, or do you want to just market your services? Well, if I'm Cam, I'm, I, well, I think everybody wanted to, it was a look-see that they weren't sure because they couldn't work him out. They didn't know how healthy he was. Mm -hmm. And did I think there would be other teams that would show interest? Absolutely. Um, I was surprised when Ron Rivera did not bring him to Washington, but you know, they wanted to give Haskins a chance and I understand it. But if I'm Cam, I just bet on myself but I just don't know the market for a quarterback who plays that way, who's going to be 33, 30, 32, 33 years of age. Am I giving you a three-year deal for $80 million? Like I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You've got four years of since 2016, 17, 18, and 19, you have four years of evidence that show, well, it can be a little bit tender in terms of being injured. There is shoulder issues. There have been leg issues. Um, do we want to bet on this guy? Can we craft an offense around him if we're someplace else? And that to me is – it's that's why these two games, while so impressive, they don't really necessarily make anybody say, well, crap, we have to make sure that we're in line to, to get this guy to replace whoever 
is at our quarterback position. And it's, isn't it interesting, Dan, how many teams actually have answers or plausible answers at the quarterback position in the NFL right now? Well, also, where's Jared Stidham? Like, you know, he's... Inactive. I know, but so that was supposed to be a competition, and I think we all said there is no competition here. But it, it, let's say Cam's a one and doneer in New England. Then are they still looking for a quarterback, or do they have their quarterback in Stidham? I don't think that they – they saw nothing from Jarrett Stidham in this offseason that would make them nod in approval and say, we're, we're all set. Yeah. I mean, he had an opportunity to compete. He got hurt, and then when he came off being injured, just you know, kind of a slight injury, he didn't really perform very well in training camp. No preseason game, so he was he was you know SOL. But if I were the Patriots, I would start to shop for the engagement ring right now to try and present it to Cam at some point around Thanksgiving, just at least start pricing the things out. Do Patriot fans want Brady to succeed? Do you think? Seemingly no. The vocal ones on social media, the ones who call into um, the radio shows, the ones that, that I'm encountering are taking a, a specific glee first in the performance the first week and then in diminishing what Brady did last week. And I, I don't get it. I mean, to a degree I do because it was framed as if Brady abandoned the Patriots when the actuality is that they, they were all set with Tom a couple of years ago. But I think there's a glee that's being derived from Hey, look at our new friend. And with Brady, it's, yeah, well, I love the outfit, but who would wear those shoes? I mean, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me. And Belichick's okay with these uh, post-game outfits that Cam wears. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it even registers. Now, here's one thing, Dan, and I'm sure we're close to the break, but so after the game the other night, they're in freaking Seattle. It took Cam probably an hour to pop up for his post-game press video conference with us. So I'm guessing they want to get to the airport. They have buses. They got one plane, maybe two. I don't know. Probably two because of the COVID. But he's taken an hour to get his hat straightened and everything attired. And they're sitting in Seattle and it's one o'clock Eastern. And I, I can't. I don't know. I don't know how that goes over. Do you believe that Belichick has not been watching the Buccaneers? Yes, I do. <laughs> I think that he... Uh, you don't think he's curious? I don't. Wow. I don't. I really don't. I mean, I, I don't... I mean, I think he knows what's going on, but I don't think he's digesting and registering opinions. I really don't. I think I, everybody else might be. I was also curious about Gronk. Like, I could see a Patriot fans had a problem with Gronk, but not Brady. Mm -hmm. And Gronk has been sort of MIA there. What? Uh, and maybe you only need him for a couple of games in the postseason, and that's really the – they got tight ends. But what do you make of uh, Gronk's performance? I think he's a little bit scared right now, and I don't blame him. The punishment that he took for the first nine years of his career through 2018 was such that it left him kind of a mental mess. And he talked about it prior to the Super Bowl, three days before with me, and he talked about it after the Super Bowl. So now he's back in the pool, and he knows his body is going to get whacked, and he's going to throw himself – and he's already, Dan, made the decision to say, I want out, I don't want to do this anymore. And now in theory it was, okay, let's get back into it. Maybe it'll be fun down there with Tom. And now he's on the field and he's looking at him like, this kind of sucks. These guys are trying to kill me again. <laughs> I thought I was out. Now I'm back in. Yeah. It's, uh, you see that? Yeah, I do. I do. I And I don't think he can quit on Tom. 
this time. It just feels like he's going to he's going to stay and you know, but I, I'm going to grind it I, out. I don't think it's physical. I, I hate to say it. I think that's probably mental. It's been a mental challenge for him. You know, there was a game on a Sunday night in 2015 in Denver in the snow when the Patriots were 10 and 0 and Gronk got hit in the knee by someone. Can't remember who it was. And he rolled around on the ground like he was going to have to have an amputation. Turned out it was a bruise. But and that's not to make light of the punishment he took, but I think it's always in his mind that there's a devastating hit that's about to ruin him. And he's had so many surgeries and gone through so much pain. I don't blame him for being having so much trepidation about it. Uh, so after two games, Bills or the Patriots win the division? Duh. Bills, Bills. Okay. I don't. I, no, I'm. I'm still. Jury's still out for me with Cameron Newton. Okay, it's great to talk to you. That was a nice visit. Yeah, it was. It was pleasant for a change. Yeah, thanks for yeah. being nice. Yeah, maybe maybe bring some drama next time. Say hi to the fellas. I will. That's Tom E. Curran. He's a uh, NBC Sports Boston insider. He's a Patriot insider. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.